Welcome to Magic School, where you'll learn how to level up every aspect of your life and make your everyday magical, one step at a time, with magic that works. What's up, witches? Welcome to Magic School. I'm your host, Vervain, and this is what I do. I help people level up their lives and enchant the everyday with approachable witchcraft that works. I do this through my work as an author, as a divinatory coach, by holding space for individual and community growth within Oil Coven, and by creating magical content like this. To learn more about Oil Coven, to book a divinatory coaching session with me, to purchase my books, or to explore any of my other resources, head on over to my website, vervainandtheroses.com. On today's episode of Welcome to Magic School, we're going to be talking about kitchen witchery yay and more specifically my personal kitchen witchy approach to thanksgiving and i think i'm going to be sharing some very interesting thanksgiving history with you also it's stuff that at least is very interesting to me and i hope it will be interesting to you um it's probably not what you think (laughs) Um, So yeah, we're going to be going over making food versus making magic. How do you put those things together into the one thing that is kitchen witchery? And then we're going to be talking about tools, ingredients, and techniques of kitchen witchery, which are basically, well, the tools and ingredients are the same as the tools and ingredients of cooking, basically. Um, And then, you know, techniques of kitchen witchery, which many of those are also cooking techniques, but add a little something special if you know what I mean. And I'm going to be sharing with you some, uh, I hesitate to say recipes and tips for a kitchen witch Thanksgiving, but like, I, I mean, this they're what I call kitchen witch recipes. So like, if you are somebody who likes cooking with like a guide and you know, not a lot of measurements, but like you you look up a recipe to get like a time and a temperature and a couple ingredients. And then you're like, okay, I can work with this. And then you change up a bunch of the ingredients and you change a lot of other things and just make it up as you go and use what you have and what you like and stuff. And then you end up with something that vaguely resembles the original recipe and is also really good and makes you happy and is delicious and is awesome. Um, That's the sort of recipe <laughs> that I use and share. So if that's a recipe, I'll be sharing recipes. If recipes have to have lots of numbers in them, um, then I will not be sharing any recipes. Um, I kind of wanted to, and then we arrived here. So I'll actually, um, well, before we get into today's lesson, I do have a few, I have a few quick announcements for you. And we are also going to go over last lesson's homework. And so announcements. (laughs) Um, As you may notice, this podcast is already like this particular episode. I feel like I just like don't have it as together right now as I usually do for these. I'm used to coming into uh, a recording session for an episode like super well prepared, like five plus days ahead of when the episode's supposed to be released. I'll have like a big outline in front of me with all of my major talking points and like resources and links and stuff that I want to direct you guys to. And um, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to be like too super straight up and honest with you. I just got weddinged 
Um, for those of you who don't know, this is, I promise this all comes back. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, I was scheduled to get married on March 19th, 2020. And pretty much two days before that, they made it illegal to have parties. So we did actually go through with getting legally married at the start of the pandemonium. But my husband and I just had our rescheduled wedding celebration on October 28th, 2021. It was super, super magical. In fact, there was actually like a ton of actual magic woven throughout the hand fasting and the vow renewal, as well as the celebrate, like the party part of the celebration. And of course, in our original ceremony as well, back in March. And we also did like a year and a day hand fasting before that original legal wedding ceremony as well. So um, I will absolutely be doing an episode about the different magic that we wove into those ceremonies and celebrations, possibly next quarter or possibly in the spring for to be like on time for my legal wedding anniversary. Um, and anyhow, that brings me to my next announcement, which is kind of, well, this is what I was starting to get at before, which is that I allowed the post-wedding chaos to catch me unprepared. So we took a little unplanned break from magic school over the last week or so. Um, I had originally planned for each quarter of magic school to be about eight lessons long. I think we're going to call it a lucky number seven this quarter. That's this episode. So today's special Thanksgiving episode will be the final official episode of Welcome to Magic School for the autumn quarter of 2021. So thank you so much for joining me today. This is our last lesson. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, not like our last lesson of forever. We're coming back in winter. Welcome to magic school. I can't even pronounce the name of my own podcast. Welcome to Magic School will return for the winter quarter on Wednesday, December 15th, 2021. And then the caveat that I was trying to give you a minute ago, which is like the addition to this whole bit about how I let the post-wedding chaos catch me unprepared, is that last week, this time last week, which is about <laughs> right now it's 11.27 p.m. on Tuesday night and for the, uh, I typically release my episodes on Wednesday morning at midnight, which is in 32 minutes. So usually I record these episodes days ahead of time with a really nice outline <laughs> and stuff. And then I edit it down and then I post it and stuff. And today I, um, and I, I, I was going to try and put this episode out last week and I just felt like I wanted a little more time to get it together. I want a little more time to like put together some actual recipes for you and do a little more research. Um, and so I allowed myself to take a second week off of the podcast to get this episode out for you this week, today, now, when it's whenever, whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> and in the past week, instead of researching and outlining this podcast episode i have been directing my creative energy towards songwriting <laughs> and playing songs and i've probably written like three or four new songs which is something that i do want to do an episode about because songwriting is a huge part of my magic singing is a huge part of my magic um and there was a part of me that wanted to make that this episode just because that's 100 percent like where my brain where my creative energy where my like vibes are <laughs> right now but I really want to come back to that next quarter and I really want to share with you about kitchen witchery so what I need to do to make that happen is shut the fuck up and go over last week's homework um, I'm noticing though that I have three more bullets under my announcements here this is very these are I'll make these very brief 
Um, if you have any requests or suggestions for topics that you would like me to cover in future lessons or questions that you'd like me to answer in future lessons, please send them to vervainhellsdaughter at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at Welcome to Magic School. I'm sure you know this if you've listened before, but um, over the next couple of weeks, I will be preparing content for our next quarter of magic school. So um, if you message me in that window, that's a great time to get your input heard. But anytime, literally, no matter when you're listening to this, um, you can still do that. And I will. I value your input. And you may see an episode affected by your input. Um, if you continue to be a loyal listener, thank you for being here. Um, also, on the note of homework, I've had a couple people say that they didn't want to turn, th that they were like doing the homework assignments, but they weren't telling me about it because they weren't totally caught up and they didn't want to submit like old homework for like past episodes that we've already moved on from. Um, please message me anyway. Your thoughts, your questions, your experiences, they are valuable to me and to other listeners. And I would totally consider sharing thoughts and questions from past assignments on future episodes. Like, if a month, if like two, three, six months from now, you're listening to episode two and it inspires you to do some homework and you have an experience that you want to share with people, like, please send me some voice messages on Instagram and uh, like tell me about your experience because I will still like if it's a good experience, if it's a if it's an experience that I feel like other people will benefit from hearing about or if you have a question that I feel like other people would benefit from having answered or addressed or whatever, um I would still I would totally share that on a future episode and I don't care like how long ago the homework is from. Um I think it's so cool that we get the opportunity to actually interact and like study these things and practice these things together and also like I learn from you guys. I learn from your experience like about magic, but I also learn from your reflections and from your questions about like my own teaching style, I guess. And like, what do I need to be? What are the sorts of things that you guys want that you want to know or need to know or don't know um, that I might not necessarily think automatically to cover in these lessons so that's something i i always want to hear from you i always want to hear from you don't talk yourself out of sharing a thought with me if you have something that you're kind of like oh, i kind of want to share that but like just cross out the butt throw it in the trash crumple it up throw it away okay and now finally we're gonna go over last lessons homework so I have only one person <laughs> sent me some stuff on, actually, that might not be true, um, but one person sent me some voice messages about their experience reflecting on death, which was our homework for last episode, which was the episode on psychopomp work and easing the passage of death with magic. And um, the person who did send me these reflections her name is Stacy, which she said that I could share with you. She is a friend of mine and also um, a loyal listener of this podcast, which makes me so happy. Um, and she sent me a bunch of voice messages on Instagram. So it was kind of a lot, which I love personally, but I'm going to probably edit it down a little bit. Um, so I just I'm going to share with you. I'm just going to start sharing with you the the voice messages that she sent me. I also just want to apologize really quickly because I do have a way to transfer audio from Instagram messages to this podcast um, at a very high quality with my wonderful husband's help. Um, 
but it's 11.59 p.m. before release day. So, um, and my, my husband is asleep, so we're not doing that. So, audio quality, sorry. Um, I'll do better next time. Hey, so, um, I wanted to share a little homework reflection, if that's okay. Um, cause I, I actually really, really like the, that you do homework. Um, I just finished listening to episode five. I kind of l- listened to them out of order, um, because I wanted to um listen to the episode about death um but anyhow i so i just wanted to i just listened to episode five and you kind of like said at the end of the episode like might cut the homework piece out and i think that that would be such a shame because i think um you know i think maybe people have had a hard time just like catching up and responding or whatever but at the same time i think it's such a good interactive piece and like I've been a couple weeks behind, so I haven't shared homework um, because, like, I don't want to be like, here, let me give you homework for episode one uh, when we're talking about episode three, you know? Um, But I think it's a really good tool because even, you know, even if it's something that you've done before, like uh, when you're talking about shamanic journeying, um, sure, that's something I've done before, but still the homework is a prompt, Right. And any kind of a prompt, I think, is really useful and I think really fosters community and I think really fosters a different perspective, because I think like the absolute worst thing somebody can do is be like, well, I've done that before, so I'm not going to try anything else, Um, because the way people do things differently might give you a different idea. The way somebody just prompts a request, kind of like how I was saying with your divination sheet, how how I really liked it, because it, it. forced me to go about things just a little bit differently. Um, I think that that is exactly the purpose of a coven to um, sort of give people prompts to do things differently, because if we're just by ourselves in isolation all the time, we get really in a rut. So anyway, I like the homework. Um, So the homework for the death um, episodes. So that's the episode I'm looking at, episode six. Um, I haven't done the episode, the homework for episode five, <laughs> but um, so what I fully expected is I shared um, episode, like a little snippet in episode six about how Abigail's experience sort of um, really reminded me of my own experience, like with my like grandma, like, <clears throat> you know, because I sat with her while she passed. Um, and, and, but I, I, and then anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, so I, you know, I kind of expected my reflection to come up as just like that experience. I mean, to be, be just thinking about that experience and how it changed me, because of course it changed me. And, you know, I, I really, I guess I thought I would be focusing in on that experience. Um, but within the 24 hours that I had sort of finished the episode, I had something really, really super interesting come up someone shared something with me that was about death. And so it was like, that was interesting because it sort of was really in line with something that was already coming up for me. Um, And I told her about it and her and I ended up getting in a conversation about it. And I ended up really feeling like that conversation was the homework. (laughs) Um, So, um, and here's why. So the conversation had to relate to, for me, um, someone that had passed that was not my grandparents or anybody that I had had any like close connection with, which is okay. Because obviously like you stated, stated in the homework, it's not like we can go, you know, sit with a dying person instantly as part of the homework. So for me, this relationship with death, um, and even just contemplating that was triggering this to come up. And it's like, I could not 
not think about it. And um, so I want to tell this person's story really quickly, if that's okay. And then I also want to, so in other words, this isn't really like a reflection on my own take on death, um, which which has changed as a result of like losing somebody close to me. Um, but it is just a way of like, how am I honoring somebody who was cut short? I guess is what I'm saying. This is what came up and I just could not get it out of my head. His name was Brian Higgins. I grew up with him. Um, he graduated high school. Um, and he was, he was a really awesome person. He was funny. Um, he was charismatic. We did plays together and stuff like that. Um, and I loved doing plays with him in high school and he was also gay. Um, and after high school, which in our, in our high school, even though we were like a really small high school, like a really small school, it actually like wasn't a big deal. And and it was the nineties, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Like, I don't know. Um, I think in another school, in another setting, it might've been, but it wasn't in ours. He was actually really popular. Um, and so he, after, but after high school, like he wanted to get away from Kalamazoo which is where we live. And he wanted to go to California to the coast. Um, so he did. And over there, he was like a really, like he really got into like the fairy culture. So um, not only um, is there kind of like more of a, I would say like, gay culture over there, like just a bigger population that, you know, he was able to interact with. And I think that was like something he was looking forward to. Um, but he also found like his niche, you know, he found his people. So like, he would like literally like dress up like in fairy stuff and stuff like that. And, um, posted on Instagram and posted on Facebook and, and whatever. And like, honestly, like his community, like the people, that he graduated high school with, like back home, we were all really supportive of it. Like it, it was, you know, it was actually kind of cool. Like he was really good at doing like makeup and stuff. So he did like this really cool fairy makeup. Um, but he would go to work and he would kind of like dress half fairy when he'd go to work. So, cause he, which I only know cause you know, cause of the social media and he'd post like pictures of himself at work. And so he wouldn't be like in his full fairy garb, but he'd have like a little hint of makeup. Like maybe he'd have like a little silver eyeliner in the corner. Um, and like his little, he had like fairy earrings that were like different from like just an earring you would wear. They were just, they were kind of long and dangly and pretty. Um, and he'd wear them like on both ears. Like he just had like different costume things that he'd wear, like be kind of half in when he'd go to work. Well, one day on his way home from work, um, he was jumped by a group of people, by a group of um, presumably men and beaten to death. Um, he, and that was when we were really young. That was maybe 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, I was 28. <laughs> um, and uh, it really was shocking. And he was in a coma for a bit. And we kind of held like a vigil for him in the park here. Um, but he didn't make. And it, it was haunting. You know, when it happened, it was just it was really upsetting. They never caught the people. And that's kind of how the this conversation came up. We were talking about how we would honor somebody whose life was cut short and how the veil is thin. And, you know, these people are kind of like this energy sort of like coming up in us where these people are popping in our mind, you know, sort of, like I said, unbidden. And, um, and I really haven't been able to stop thinking about Brian since. And so my contemplation of death turned more away from like that peaceful, like how would I help somebody pass? Um, 
contemplation or my relationship with death or my fears or whatever to like, okay, this person has died. Their life was cut short. I couldn't help them. Um, Oh, and that's another piece of the story. So when I was growing up, um, in this tiny school, um, you know, Brian, he was very, he was very popular and well-liked. Everyone liked him. I was really weird. So I was weird. I was chubby. I was really dorky. You know, I was into all of the dorky, nerdy things, um, and teased quite a bit, um, particularly just for being chubby, just cause that was, you know, something that girls knew would hurt other girls, I think. So I was attacked for that quite a bit. Like the girls would moo at me when I was going down the hallway or like shove me into a locker and moo at me or whatever. Well, Brian, he was like egalitarian, right? <laughs> Everybody's equal. And he was down with everybody. And that was something I really liked about him aside from just his humor and his charisma, but, um, he used to, and we didn't, we weren't in the same classes. Cause I would be like in the super nerdy dorky classes and he was just in the regular classes, which I think he loved. He loved, he was kind of, you know, he loved goofing off and stuff. So he, <laughs> that's where he was. Um, so we didn't cross paths a lot, but when we did and he noticed there was a problem and this happened more than once, he would like, I'd be walking through the hall and he would throw his arm around me and walk me down the hall. Never say anything about the girls who were saying mean shit. Never say anything about that. Never be like, you know, it's, it'll be okay. Just nothing. Just act totally normal. Just strike up a conversation with me, throw his arm around me and they would go away because they liked him. Um, and so it was like, I was under his protection and it's, and I was telling, um, this other person I was chatting with that it's not lost on me that no one was there that day to do that for him. Um, which I know is so, but just, ugh. anyway, um, <laughs> so, um, so this brings me back to how do we honor this? How do we process this? You know, obviously you know, my grandparents passing was actually like really devastating because I was super close to them. Um, but then like when we process somebody that we knew who's passed, who it wasn't their time, you know, my grandparents, it was their time. They lived very long lives with, um, with Brian, you know, we were only in our late twenties. That was way too early. So how do I process that? And, um, something that I've done, um, that has been a really helpful tool for me, but I write for fun quite a bit, like just as a hobby, I write some short stories and stuff like that, but I have, um, a novel, um, I'm writing or have been writing for a while. It's something I pick up and put down here and there. And it happens to be science fiction because the fantasy and science fiction are my jam. Um, but I made him a character in that novel and that has been, a really healing way for me to process this. And I probably started this novel maybe like five years ago. So quite a bit ago. And like, I'll make huge headway on it and write like five chapters and then like not touch it again for nine months. <laughs> but it's just been very therapeutic for me to have him as this character. It's like a way for him to live on. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a way to give him a voice in, in this world now. And so I guess that is my takeaway from this. Um, this homework is that I never, I never thought about the process all the way through. Like, obviously I knew I was basing the character on Brian. I gave him a different name, but it is, it is him. Um, I knew I was basing the character on him, um, and stuff like that. But I guess I never thought about how thoroughly I was connecting. Um, I, I guess, I guess for me, art is a way, um, that I process death. 
um, particularly for me with writing, but somebody could do it really easily with any other medium, you know, that, that they could do it with singing, they could do it with um, drawing, painting, whatever, uh, dance interpretation, you know, whatever. Art is a way to give the dead a voice, I guess, is my takeaway after, you know, spending, I didn't do any proper journaling, but I've literally spent several days in contemplation to the point that I just don't feel like I need to write it down. <laughs> and I think um, using art to give the dead a voice is a powerful tool uh, for me. And um, now that I've said that out loud, when I've never said that quite out loud before, even though he's not even the first character I've based on somebody who's passed, because um, I wrote a short, a couple short stories with my grandmother as being a character, only I made her young. So it was really interesting because I got to interact with her and, and in like a youthful space instead of how I knew her, which was really fun to kind of like derive that character. Um, but yeah, I guess, but I've never said out loud, I use art to give the dead a voice. And now I'm saying it out loud. I use art to give dead a, the dead a voice. And that is a way that I process and honor the dead. The end. Okay. I'm not quite done. I lied. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying here when I when I give the dead a voice, um, is that anybody who's ever been in a creative state, like if you've ever been writing for a long time or drawing for a long time or whatever, will know how similar and, and also practices meditation or shamanic journeying knows how similar those things are, how when you're sitting down and writing for two hours, how it just kind of flows from you and you're sort of not paying attention to anything else around you. It's very meditative. Um, and so I truly believe, obviously, that spirits do contact us. I believe the dead can talk to us. I believe they can hear us. And so through this work, I think that you very much are getting to know them better, spending time with them, honoring them, giving them a voice. I felt closer to my grandmother after I wrote the stories about her as a young person. I felt like it was an actual opportunity for me to hang out with her as a young person, if that makes sense. Um, and I, and I think very much like shamanic journeying or like meditation, when, if someone didn't want to communicate with you, I believe, and this is, where I'm going off the deep end of where I would, I believe, I don't believe you'd actually be able to effectively channel them and write anything. And I can tell you with, um, I, I guess it's only been really these two, um, people that I've made into characters who have passed. Um, but I very much, um, felt like it came very easily to write about them. And so I very much felt like it was, it, it went beyond just me generating a character and it, it felt like true communication, me spending time with them and getting to know them. Um, so yeah, now I'm really done. Okay. Wow. Um, wow, wow, wow. That's all I have to say. Honest. No, I have a lot to say. Um, I don't want to spend too much time saying it. I did choose to keep that almost completely intact. And that was probably like 10, 15 minutes. Um, so I don't want to say too much, but I, I just, I love every part of that share. Um, I so agree that so many different methods of creative process, so many different, yes. Yeah. Creative processes can be used as, um, emotional processing tools. And I, I don't know how many of you know this, actually, I was, uh, the reason that I, <laughs> have studied psychology in college because originally I wanted to be a counselor and art therapist and I don't really know what I want to do um, or like what I want to do with that um, 
right now, but that field, that whole field still like really interests me because I use art and music and such in this way in my life so often. And like, like songwriting and painting have both been and, and, and crafting and fashion and photography and poetry and, you know, all of these things have been such big parts of my life and my emotional processing. I feel like if I couldn't write songs, um, <laughs> I would be like a much, much worse person because so much of my like less positive emotions get channeled into songs um so that they don't end up getting <laughs> channeled into my like relationships with other people um and uh yeah anyhow so i i do i think i said this earlier before the homework review but like i really 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 want to do a podcast episode for you about the like the transformative magic the the uh, process using the creative process to alchemize our emotional experiences to uh transform our emotional energy into something that heals us and also can help heal others so like i don't know when i when when you create i feel like ah, okay i'm not gonna go off on this you're gonna have to wait for the episode that's my teaser <laughs> come back next quarter please <laughs> okay so that's we're just gonna leave the homework review there thank you so much for listening to that um that was my friend stacy and she's just an absolute gem thank you so so much stacy for taking the time to share that reflection and that story i also i just i feel like i'm like in love with brian right now like i i've never met this guy but i feel like i know this guy and i i have a lot of love for him from what you've shared about him and i feel like through sharing that also on this podcast is like another um way one of the reasons that i really did want to and choose to include pretty much that entire um story was because as i was listening to it i was like you know i am really like falling in love with this guy through this story and like i want other people you know i want his magic through your story through your share to reach as many people as possible and so kind of giving um you know another way that he can he can live on through um through your story is, is on this podcast now so i really wanted to leave that there and i love that about your grandmother i feel like that's um yeah i i so agree about um the creative pro like when you're really in flow in the creative process that is a trance state just like the trance state that you achieve um in shamanic journeying and like my first tendency like if i said i wanted to talk to my my dead grandmother which i'm very fortunate i actually don't have any dead grandmothers yet um but let's say i wanted to talk to one of my ancestors you know my first thought would be well let's go on a shaman journey but i i had never even 
it would never even occurred to me. And because, you know, writing fiction is not like my that's not my creative process. But I wonder if like if I started to write like a song of like advice that my, you know, great grandmother would have given me if that. Ooh, ooh, maybe that's my homework <laughs> is to try to write a song about advice from my ancestors and try to channel my ancestors through that. Um, will somebody help me remember this? I'm going to make a note. I'm going to make a note. I just really don't want to do too much editing on this episode because I just want to finish recording and publish it honestly. And then, well, I don't really want to go to bed right after I want to go play some music right after, but <laughs> we'll see what time it is when I finish. Okay. So, um, Oh, yeah, I, I have some notes here as well. Um, I did say that I was going to, because the last episode's homework was to spend five minutes or more journaling or reflecting about your relationship with death. And I did say that I was going to create some journal prompts for this assignment, which I do still plan to do, but I have not done yet. Um, if you are subscribed to my newsletter, which you can do at DravainandTheRoses.com at the foot of every page, um, you will be the first to know when I do post it. That's something that I want to get done in the interim between uh, this quarter and the next quarter, which will start, as I think I said, on Wednesday, December 15th. Um, I'm not looking at the date, so I hope that I hope I'm remembering that right. Um, anyhow, definitely subscribe to my newsletter and you'll be updated. And also you can follow this podcast at welcome to magic school on instagram and you can follow me personally and my other magic at vervain and the roses on instagram and that's those are the places where i'm most active although i know i haven't been that active over the last week because like i think i said i've been experiencing a lot of post wedding burnout and um obviously also like you clearly don't need prompts to complete the assignment um if you think you do, just ask Stacy and she'll she'll show you how it's done. Okay, there we go. So, without further ado, let's get into today's lesson. So, first off, we're gonna we're kind of gonna talk about two things here. Well, the first one is Thanksgiving, and the second one is kitchen witchery, and we're going to then weave those things together because if you uh, whether you're from America or not, you probably know that there's a very, <laughs> tra there's a very like set list of traditional Thanksgiving foods that like I would expect at least in like any um like <laughs> Anglo European like white American <laughs> household like you could walk into pretty much any one of them and people are going to have different recipes and stuff but like you're going to see the same things right you're going to see a roast turkey you're going to see cranberry sauce you're going to see stuffing you're going to see some form of potato whether it's white or orange you're going to see um probably either like cornbread or rolls or some sort of bread um in addition to stuffing which is also bread uh, <laughs> you're gonna see gravy and you might see green bean casserole or green beans almondine um that's not one that i do actually that's never one that my immediate family did we usually had like peas which um i'm gonna talk to you about so anyhow um thanksgiving you know it's got a menu it's got a thing it's a it's a what is it really it's a harvest festival honestly um and there's a lot of modern american mythology about like what thanksgiving 
is. Um, and we're always told that it has to do with like the pilgrims coming to America and having a harvest feast with the Native Americans and everybody getting along and yay. And there are many reasons to believe that that is not the whole story of the like quote unquote first Thanksgiving or whatever. Um, and certainly also like the whole, regardless of the truth of, of that as the origin story and like how, how that first mythical, uh, feast went down, regardless of that, um, it hits me wrong that Thanksgiving is handed down to the younger generations in America as a celebration of the colonizers and the natives like getting along together when, um, well i mean the word colonizer says a lot but like we and i don't i don't think that i want to be very clear i don't think that like we as the current generation um owe it to anyone to like apologize for our ancestors um or like yeah i, I that that doesn't strike me right but that said like whatever othala right like whatever patterns blessings curses behaviors um have been handed down to us through our bloodline or through our family line whether it's blood or not um you know the things that have been handed down to us that we carry that we continue to live out you know, those are things that I do think we do have to take responsibility for. And the truth is that, like, regardless of what the ancestors of white Americans like me relationship with the ancestors of today's <laughs> Native Americans, like, regardless of what their relationship was, um, the question of of what are the relations between contemporary european american you know the 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 descendants of european american immigrants versus the de versus actual like by blood native americans um that's a different those are two different relationships those are two completely different sets of people those are two different historical contexts and contexts and um there's a lot to think about, and I don't think that we can address it by just having dinner in our white American households and or, I, you know, I don't know what color you are and what you do on Thanksgiving. I know what I'm going to be doing on Thanksgiving. I'm going to be very honest. I'm going to be working and I'm hoping to get mad tips. So that's that's what my Thanksgiving is going to look like this year. Um, but I do. I do like to celebrate um, a Thanksgiving-like harvest festival. And when I was looking, I wanted to share with you some stuff about like the actual origins and history of Thanksgiving. And I remember, I had remembered reading about this because 
I love um, vintage and antique fashion. I love Victoriana, um, all things Victorian, um, all things, especially like Civil War era and later, like 1860s, 1870s. I'm obsessed. Um, I'm not like a scholar or anything, but I love it. So I, if you have heard of Godey's Ladies Book, um, it is a ladies magazine that was published in the during the 19th century during the civil war um i believe and before and after um it was like a ladies magazine um and it was very very popular and it would have things like sheet music and sewing patterns and poetry and essays and short stories and things and um sarah hale um who's one of the writers possibly editor i don't remember exactly what her she had she had a a position at godie's ladies book and um, Sarah Hale, every year, for several years, um, would write as um, a piece, an opinion piece, in Goody's Lady's book, a a sort of plea for an entreaty the to uh, last. By the way, not the fourth, the last Thursday in Thanksgiving in in November. Whoops, um, to be officially recognized as the National American Thanksgiving holiday and uh it was really um sarah hale's persistence uh that that uh led abraham lincoln to eventually declare thanksgiving a national holiday after it had been several but it had been celebrated by many of the states and colonies for um several years but uh it was eventually i think made official in oh it was like 1860 let me check that. Okay, so it was 1863. Um, but interestingly, I'm founding, I'm finding in my fact check as well that it was on Thursday, November 26th, 1789, President George Washington. I'm reading straight here from history.house.gov, and I will link this in the show notes. Um, President George Washington issued a proclamation for a day of public thanksgiving and prayer. And then it was in 1863 that Lincoln encouraged it to be like recognized officially every year and then in 1870 congress passed legislation making thanksgiving christmas new year's and independence day uh national holidays so that's a cool thing to know um but anyhow i want to read to you some of this what sarah hale wrote because i actually i was kind of in my brain when i was starting to plan this episode i was like kind of like hating on everything that i knew about thanksgiving except the food and the feasting and the harvest festival aspect of it and was like trying to find like justification for wanting to share with you about like anything about thanksgiving because it's like i mean it's it's not a strictly like witchy holiday you know there's nothing strictly magical about thanksgiving but there is something very magical about well gratitude about gathering about food um all of these things and and uh and it is a harvest festival and so when i found all of this writing by sarah hale which i will link you this whole page as well because it is quite something um, when I when I happened and, uh, this and I started reading it, it I, I as I was reading I was, her, I was really falling her, in love her, with 
Thanksgiving all over again through what she's saying, because she really is like all of this, these problems that I have with the way that Thanksgiving is um, or or at least was portrayed to me as a child in American public schools. Uh, that doesn't sit right with me. The whole I mean, it goes right there with Columbus Day in my book, but the idea of a harvest festival and like getting together with your family and your friends and feasting and being grateful and like sharing all you know inviting people to your table who which this is something that that my my family and and me on my own you know living away from my family have have done for as long as i can remember you know it's i I remember my grandparents always like you know donating an extra turkey to a food bank but like my family we would always be you know inviting like one of my dad's stray grad students or you know you know somebody anyone that we knew who you know we weren't sure had a place to go a table to sit at for thanksgiving we would invite them and um that's something that has held held true in in my life and has been a big part of thanksgiving it's like hey like like what what this holiday has been for me is like i you know since moving out of my parents home has been like i will cook a whole bunch of my favorite food because actually thanksgiving food the way that I make it, the way that my family has made it is some of my favorite fucking food. I love it. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I will, I will make this food. I will fill, I will lay the table and, um, who will come sit at my table, who will come sit at my table and share in gratitude and feast with me. Cause that's what I want to do. And it, it, it hasn't always been on Thanksgiving. Um, or even necessarily that close to it. But um, sometime in November, or early December is when I like to do this. And we're going to do it. And I'm really excited about it. Um, and I want to read to you some of this writing from Sarah Hale because I think it's very inspiring. And this one, um, I'm going to read you this one from 1858. Um, and she actually starts with uh, a, a, an extended quote here that I believe is from a hymn. Uh, I had trouble figuring out like what the exact original source of this was, but here's here's the text. All the blessings of the fields, all the stores the garden yields, all the plenty summer pours, autumn's rich or flowing stores, peace, prosperity, and health, private bliss, and public wealth. Knowledge with its gladdening streams, pure religion's holier beams. Lord, for these our souls shall raise grateful vows and solemn praise. I just really love that. So that's what she starts with, and then this is what she writes. We are most happy to agree with the large majority, and I just, I love this old prose. It is like poetry. It's, it's just beautiful, and she's so passionate. Listen. We are most happy to agree with the large majority of the governors of the different states, and this is 1858 again, as shown in their unanimity of action for several past years, and which we hope will this year be adopted by all, that the last Thursday in November shall be the day of national thanksgiving for the American people. Let this day from this time forth, as long as our banner of stars floats on the breeze, be the grand Thanksgiving holiday of our nation, when the noise and tumult of worldliness may be exchanged for the laugh of happy children, the glad greetings of family reunion, and the humble gratitude of the Christian heart. 
This truly American festival falls this year on the 25th day of this month, which interestingly, it also falls on the 25th day of this month in, in 2021. Hey. Consecrate the day to benevolence of action by sending good gifts to the poor and doing those deeds of charity that will, for one day, make every American home the place of plenty and rejoicing. These seasons of refreshing are of inestimable advantage to the popular heart, and if rightly managed, will greatly aid and strengthen public harmony of feeling. Let the people of all the states and territories sit down together to the feast of fat things and drink in the sweet draught of joy and gratitude to the divine giver of all our blessings, the pledge of renewed love to the Union and to each other, and of peace and goodwill to all men. Then the last day, Thursday in November will soon become the day of American Thanksgiving throughout the world. So it is a bit, um, I mean, it's, it's, it is very patriotic. It's, it's, it's crazy how like, I, I'm, I want good things for America. <laughs> I personally want good things for America, but uh, America is a problem child and I recognize that. And, um, do I, you know, how many good things, there are plenty of nice things to be said about America, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just having trouble thinking of them right now. Um, no, uh, but I, I am going to make time to be grateful for them. And I think gratitude is a really big, important part of many, many, many types of magic. So anyhow, I, I would encourage you to read all of Sarah Hale's writing. It definitely has a Christian lean to it. It definitely has a, a patriotic bent to it. But I don't think that any of these, th I don't think that those things are bad. Um, I mean, like I said, I may not believe all good things about America, but I certainly want good things for America. And uh, you've you've probably, I think I've already talked about the whole christianity thing on here which is to say that like christianity the religion the philosophy is not the problem <laughs> um it's not the idea it's the execution right the idea is a good idea i think mostly at least um i think well yeah okay i'm gonna stop there and I'm going to close this um, thing about Thanksgiving. The point of me sharing that with you was that reading that really made me fall in love with the idea of Thanksgiving again because she really is talking about it. I mean, she's talking about it as being something that like unites the nation and that strengthens the nation. And that's, well, I mean, actually this came up with, and I was talking to my husband about this. I was sharing some of that with him. And he was like, well, she was right because look like you, you really do. And I didn't read you this one, but there was another one where she talks about how like Americans gathering, not just all around America, but all around the world to have this day of thanks and feasting and, and, and sharing and gratitude and plenty, you know, this Thanksgiving day, um, strengthens us as a nation as a people as a as one big community which also think about this in the context of the civil war which is it was right after this pretty much right so like you're you're in a very tense time <laughs> maybe you can relate <laughs> who do we know who's been around in a time that feels like it might be right before an american civil war anyone anyone you know anyone i know Okay, sorry, it's not funny. Um, 
it is funny. Uh, it's funny now. <laughs> it won't be funny when there's a, if there's a civil war. I really hope there's not a civil war. I really, really hope that we do not have another civil war. But who can say? Who can say? Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. And he, he was saying, like, well, she was right. Because look, <laughs> we've had like one year, right, where people couldn't get together like normal. And frankly, we're about to have a second Thanksgiving in a row where large gatherings of people getting together and feasting are not exactly encouraged at the moment. And I think this year is going to be a lot. Um, it seems like thanks having a Thanksgiving this year is a lot less taboo than it was last year. But last year I had like three people I'd never met who had nowhere to go over th for Thanksgiving for like whatever we did for Thanksgiving last year. And it felt like if the internet found out, that I was like inviting strangers into my house in the middle of a panini, I would be like canceled. And I, that, you know, I had a seat at my table. I had a lot of food. Those people sat at it. We had a great time. The end. I have nothing else to say for myself. Um, but yeah, that, that I feel like that sort of thing, the gratitude, the gathering, the, the, the sharing specifically, like, abundance right uh, the meaning of abundance which is is such a huge abundance is such a huge um i, I, I wouldn't call it like a category of magic because it's not like a method it's like a, a goal right it's, it's an intention but it's it's a very very popular intention in magical practice and always has been and i really feel that the actual practice of feasting at the end of harvest season and making way more food than you could ever eat yourself and inviting other people to come share it with you is a really beautiful way to live out the energy of abundance. Um, and that, I guess, is the first piece of actual magic that I'm sharing with you in this episode now, like one hour in roughly almost. Yeah. Um, and that's just that, like, like abundance means more than enough, right? If you have an abundance, you have more than enough. You have more than what you need and sharing it and, and being grateful for your abundance, for your plenty by sharing it. Or if you're on the other side of the Six of Pentacles, um, accepting what others are willing to share with you and being grateful for the way that others and the universe provide for you in that way and and tuning into that energy of universal abundance you know it's not always personal abundance we are supported by a universal abundance and we have honestly like more distribution problems than we have scarcity problems as a, as a universe even as a planet um even as a country especially as a country um yes so i have a note here as well about um this sort of gathering being an act of magic that brings people together when we most need each other and and spreads warmth and light when autumn and winter bring cold and darkness so like when we're you know lighting fires inside and lighting the hearth or lighting the candles at the table and preparing a hot meal indoors you know like 
I don't know, it was something in my house growing up where like my mother would hate to cook anything in the oven during the summer. But then in the autumn and the winter, like we would find all sorts of excuses to bake, to cook things in the oven because when you cook up the oven, it really does kind of heat up the whole house. And so to me, like oven cooking is is an autumn and winter thing. And it's it's very exciting to get to this time of year when I'm excited to turn the oven on rather than like, oh, I really don't want to have to turn the oven on because we're paying so much for air conditioning and I don't want to have to double it just to keep this room cool. Um, hey, Texas. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the very act of preparing and eating a hot meal is both a magical and mundane defense against the cold and the darkness of autumn and winter. And let me know also if you would like the first episode of next quarter to be about um this is something i'm thinking about uh, clearly to be about uh dealing with seasons of darkness um from a magical perspective with magical magical and mundane methods uh dealing with a season of literal darkness <sighs> yes okay yes cold weather oh yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah okay cold weather invites people to stay inside so the natural tendency can be to isolate oneself at this time of year but a gathering like the thanksgiving feast brings people together to warm each other's hearts to spread and share joy uh in an era these are from my little notes here in an era when generations of a family no longer live in the same home village or even state or country these sort of feast days become important excuses to gather a family together this is like the time of year that a lot of families like only see each other during this time of year and i think i mean well i think a lot of things about that but i think that in a world where that's the case it's really important that we do have these sorts of feast days okay so magic kitchen witchery <laughs> we're finally here um what what is kitchen witchery it's making magic with food it's it's um i, I would go so far as to say this would apply to like apothecary type stuff as well to you know if you're like making your own body washes or you're making your own soaps or lotions or whatever i would say that that's also a sort of kitchen witchery um kitchen witchery definitely fits into green witchcraft but it's it's it can be super casual you don't have to obviously you don't have to grow anything which you don't have to for green witchcraft either i don't really um except my roses which are really honestly feral um like if I, if I have any belief that I do anything for those roses, uh, it's hubris. So at the very, at its very simplest, kitchen witchery is is putting intention, energy, energy in the form of intention and attention into the food that you eat or that other people who eat your the food that you make eat uh, or you don't even have to make it like okay i don't like this i don't like this i'm i'm not going to do this but you could do this and it would be a totally valid example of kitchen witchery you can go to the grocery store and buy a fucking twinkie and then you can hold the twinkie in your hand in the wrapper and you can speak good things to the twinkie or you can speak evil curses to the twinkie <laughs> which might be well the twinkie might be more naturally suited to baneful magic than <laughs> um 
you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of Twinkies. Um, probably it's just like the most like processed, not food thing that I can think of. So like, it's not super, you know, nutritious, obviously. And so I don't love this example, but you can get food that's totally, completely already prepared and just take a moment to put your intention in it and then either eat it or feed it to someone else and see what happens. Um, or is a Twinkie, I would recommend feeding it to someone else. I'm so sorry. I'm not judging anyone's food choices. Am I? I, I mean, I am, but like, don't let, don't let me ruin your, don't let me rain on your parade. Um, love is an ingredient also, right? Okay. So like you've, you know, the difference between soup from a can and soup your mama made or your grandma made, you know, the difference between pancakes from a box and pancakes that someone who loves you made even if the pancakes that someone who loves you made came from a mix from a box but it's like what's the difference between when grandma makes box mix pancakes and when ihop makes pancakes right like what's the difference like they're both pancakes but one of them has a lot of love in it and and you know the difference you felt the difference everyone feels the difference we always know like the whole like quote-unquote like grandma makes it's a meme practically like people know love is an ingredient i don't have to convince you right so i'm gonna stop talking about it briefly <laughs> um so so at, at its very simplest you can just put intention into already existing food you can kick that up a notch by putting intention to food as you're making it right? So like, let's say, let's even, we'll kick this up only half a notch and we'll say you're using soup from a can, but you're heating it up on the stove. And as you're heating it up on the stove, you're stirring it. And as you're stirring it, maybe you're stirring it clockwise to put an intention into it. And maybe you're, you're just putting, putting, you know, maybe you're making soup because you're not feeling so hot. You know, you're like, I need a little something, something to make my body feel good and feel healthy. And, you know, approach today or tomorrow as a brand new day and have a good time uh, in my body and in my mind and in my heart and all those things. And like soup's really good for that. Soup's even better for that when as you're heating it up, you're stirring it and you're like, my wellness, like just, I, I like to just, well, okay, I like to chant or like sing um, my like affirmations or incantations or intentions when I'm, when I'm cooking. Um, I like to, uh, I do like affirmations, you know, things like my wellness is my birthright. I am well, I am always healing. My body knows how to heal itself. Um, if, if I was doing something for healing, like those are things that I would say and that I would say to the, to the soup, um, and to my body. And, Cause it's not, you know, you're not just saying it to the soup. You're also preparing your, your own body if it's for you. Um, to receive those blessings and you're preparing your own subconscious to receive those blessings and you're you're really you're telling your body that like hey what we're doing right now is healing what we're doing right now is focusing on our own wellness and and i'm going to support you in that by feeding you soup and i'm going to support you further in that by putting a lot of magical intention into this soup so you know that's something that you can do um for for health and healing um as as an intention is something that you could do that's oh gosh i'm gonna be so mad later that i didn't like edit 
this podcast, but sorry, you're just going to have to live with it. So let's kick that up a further notch. And these are all just examples because does anyone make soup for Thanksgiving? If you do, please let me know. Um, I don't know anyone that makes soup for Thanksgiving. Uh, this is just kitchen witchery in, in general, and soup is a good example. So if you're taking it up a step further, right? So the first the first notch is you're like eating soup from a restaurant or out of a can um, where there's there may be it may be good. It may be less good. But either way, there's probably not a lot of intention in it. Um, certainly not necessarily the intentions that you would put in it for your own magic. And then kick that up one notch and you're you're putting the intention into it just before you eat it. And then you kick it up another little notch and you're putting the intention into it as you're making it, as you're preparing it. And you can, you know, with soup, you can, you know, stir the intention in clockwise while you you can just focus and like tune in somatically. Like, what does it feel like? What the intent, your intention, the, the outcome that you want, your desired outcome, like what does that feel like in your body if you already have it? You can just tune into that while you're stirring, you know, or while you're kneading dough or while you're basting a turkey or while you're, um, you know, stirring cranberry sauce or while you're defrosting peas. I don't know. Like while you're doing these things, you're infusing your intention into the food. Now, kick it up one notch further where we're either cooking from scratch or we're adding our own ingredients into um, food. Or perhaps we're just, maybe we're just picking a soup. Uh, if we're picking a particular soup can, you know, maybe we're picking one that has ingredients that align with our intentions naturally, which is actually really easy to do because here's something really cool. When you look at a lot of the things that are used traditionally in cooking, um, a lot of them have many multiple magical uses. Um, and like a lot of the foods and spices and herbs that are traditionally associated with Thanksgiving, for example, are have magical associations and ties to abundance, to protection, to health and wellness, to um, cleansing and purification, to uh, did I already say abundance? It's not written in my notes, which is why I, my notes are very incomplete, um, as I think I mentioned before. But, uh, you know, there's there's so many, basically every magical intention is <laughs> included in some part of the Thanksgiving feast. Um, oh, yeah, like a lot of these things are, are uh, have associations with love magic and with sex magic and with um, all sorts of things all sorts of things. So, um, yes, 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 yes. Kitchen witchery is magic you can eat. Oh yeah. So every cooking ingredient has magical associations. Some of them also have personal associations. So like, for example, if you associate potatoes with abundance, because I don't know, like it doesn't, matter the example like if there's something that you have a particular association with as a food um and it could be as a food or outside of the context of food but it's something that you could use in food right you maybe you have an association with that where like it means something to you from your personal experience but it's not something that you can like find or just like uh support with like text from a book or whatever 
um, that's still super valid for your magical practice. And so, but the the overarching like, point here that I'm trying to make is that the most DIY version of kitchen witchery, like the version of kitchen witchery that allows you to have the most control over your final outcome and put the most amount of magic and intention and power into your final product, is going to be cooking from scratch or cooking at least from. Well, I would say, yeah, if you're cooking completely from scratch, you're putting more, frankly, if you're growing your own plants and raising your own, you know, your own turkey or whatever, you're, you're, you're able to put intention in from the very beginning. Um, and that is something to try to live up to, right? Like that's something to, that's a stretch goal, right? That's what I call a stretch goal. Um, I would love to be at that point someday. Uh, and right now I pay rent, so you know <laughs> um yeah so so let's just let's talk let's start talking about kitchen witchery and and specific thanksgiving foods so the thanksgiving feast the traditional foods at least the foods that i cook every year which is what i'm really going to be talking about it's my experience of traditional foods um and what it really mean is that my my tradition these are these are what i I cook, which I'm sure does align with a lot of other people's experience, but probably not everyone. So there's my caveat. Um, and, and the biggest thing, of course, that everyone associates with Thanksgiving is is turkey. It's, it's the biggest thing, both physically and metaphorically in this case. And, um, the, you know, I would, I would love to tell you that we get our turkey from a local farm um, and that we, you know, we're friends with our turkey before we eat. it. I'd love to tell you all those things. I can't tell you that. Um what happens right now in my life is my husband gets a free turkey from his job every year. So that's what we're going to be cooking and eating. Um, <laughs> and I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful that his job just like gives us a free turkey. And that's, I don't know, that's a that's like, to me, also like the fact that like, that's the way that we get our turkey is like the first indication of like the universe provides for us like i could say oh man i don't know if i have the energy to like quote unquote do thanksgiving this year i don't know if i want to like buy all the stuff and cook all the food and stuff and then what's going to happen is my husband's going to get a free fucking turkey and i'm going to be like i guess we got to cook the turkey now and that's actually it's happened a couple times where like we had a free we didn't want to like not use the free turkey because that's like a lot of free food and food's expensive and turkey is good food also like i i really do love a roast turkey and let me actually talk about that because when i first was <laughs> geeking out about my love of thanksgiving food to my husband years ago um he gave me this whole spiel about how he didn't like thanksgiving food and he didn't understand the whole turkey thing because turkey was so dry and i was like hold on do you cook your turkey in an oven bag? And he was like, I don't know what the fuck an oven bag is. And I was like, that's your fucking problem. So let me just say to anyone who is listening, if you have ever had dry turkey and let it make you think that when you cook a whole turkey, it's going to be dry, um, you have been lied to. Here are two things that you can do to prevent that experience. And these are both things that I do every year. Um, and one of them was an accidental discovery. So the first one is the oven bag. 
I don't like plastic either. I get it. But trust me, do not roast a whole turkey without an oven bag. Unless, I guess, unless you happen to have like a covered roasting pan that can fit a whole turkey in it. It's really important to keep all that moisture in there. And you're not just keeping the moisture in there. Like the other stuff that you're going to put in there with the turkey, if you are if you do what I tell you to do, um, it, it's going to keep those flavors in as well, right? Like you don't want the flavors to all escape and go away. And they they can and they will. Like not completely, but like you get more of them with the bag. And... It's just, it's good. The bag is good. Um, also, if you do use the oven bag, don't forget to put a little bit of flour in it before you seal it to keep it from bursting or exploding or whatever. You can also poke it. I usually do both of those things. Um, also, you're going to need a thermometer. Like, please don't try to roast a whole turkey without a thermometer. I know people talk about it and try to do it and stuff, but like, it's just not worth it. Um, it's a lot of trouble <laughs> to try and cook it without a thermometer and it's really easy to get it wrong. And if you get it wrong, it's way more trouble. So just spend $5 on a kitchen, on a meat thermometer. Like it doesn't even have to be a good one. You won't regret it. Um, the second tip for getting your turkey to not be dry is cook it from frozen or cook it from mostly frozen, which I understand that this is controversial. I understand that a lot of you have probably been told that you cannot cook a turkey from frozen, that you have to thaw it fully, that it has to be fully thawed before you can let it near that fucking oven, and you have been lied to. You have been lied to. Um, I believe 325 is the number of Fahrenheit degrees that you want to have your oven at, and I believe that that's pretty much the same regardless of whether your turkey is thawed or frozen. Here's what I like to do with my turkey. We buy or what well, we get, we get it from the grocery with our free turkey coupon like two days <laughs> before Thanksgiving and we put it in the fridge and it does not thaw in those two days completely. It'll really, it barely thaws at all, honestly. Um, and what I will do is that morning I will put it in the sink and I will run cold water over it um, just enough to, or like into it, into the center of it just enough to get it where um the the innards are thawed where i can pull out the bag of giblets and the neck and stuff and um because i need that neck and i need those giblets for my gravy they're very important um oh gravy i'm just now i'm just like thinking about all this food and i just kind of want to cook so Thanks. I'm really excited about that. I haven't picked a date yet for when we're going to do it this year. Also, my birthday is coming up. Did you know that? My birthday is November 22nd. Sometimes my birthday falls on Thanksgiving. Maybe that's why I love Thanksgiving food is because I've had more than one of my birthdays on Thanksgiving in my life. And I don't know. I don't know which direction the cause and effect goes, but that's the thing. It's coming up. I'm going to be a year I'm going to be one more number than I am now, whatever that is. <sighs> Cake. That's another ritual food that you can put intention into. Cake. Oh, yeah. We do birthday cake. We do wedding cake. We do the Yule log cake. That's a... Well, I mean, I don't personally. I've never made a Yule log cake. Maybe this year's the year. Probably not. Um, Maybe next year's the year. <laughs> I'm just like looking at my... I'm uh, looking like a month and a half ahead and I'm like... I don't have time to make a cake this December, <laughs> which is my own choice. It's not a fact of the universe that I don't have time to make a cake. It's a fact of 
me that I am choosing in this moment to not prioritize cake making time in December. I'm going to prioritize music making time in December. And frankly, I need to be eating less cake, but I do love pecan pie, though. I hope that you guys like listening to me talk, because if you don't, I'm not really sure what you're doing here. And, uh, oh, also, one of you did leave me a very nice review saying that you do like to hear me talk. So, thanks. (laughs) This is for you. (laughs) Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, I like to thaw the turkey under the cold running water just enough to be able to get the neck and the giblets out. Um... And then I will stuff. I don't put stuffing. The stuffing, for me, the stuffing, like you might as well not call it stuffing. The stuffing and the turkey are two separate entities. They are cooked completely separately. I don't try to combine them, but I do stuff the turkey, just not with quote unquote stuffing. I put, here are the three main things that I get for turkey. This is what my mother did. This is what I do. I suggest you do it too. Carrots, celery, onions, and then herbs also, and spices and stuff. Well, so you don't need salt if your turkey's already brined. Otherwise, I would say put some salt on the outside. Um, I use olive oil. Olive oil, of course, is magically associated with peace and prosperity, um, wisdom, all of these beautiful things. Um, I feel like root vegetables, um, so like carrots, onions, shallots uh potatoes also right like these things anything that's like grows under the earth to me that has like a magical association of like buried treasure hidden abundance like things that um you know grow behind the scenes that are that are that are coming into blessings that are coming into being where you can't see them that then like present themselves fully ripened at the perfect time um or maybe they don't present themselves maybe you have to go looking for them but you know they are they are doing their thing under the earth on their own and they're of course also associated with the earth element and to me that like buried treasure like they are abundance vegetables you know um and then like garlic and onions are of course also super good for like protection warding um like magical defense energetic protection and also like immune support like wellness health and wellness right so I think that's really beautiful having, oh yeah, garlic. You can't go wrong with garlic, right? Can you? I mean, I'm no Alice Waters, but I do feel like it's a little, it, it's hard to go wrong with garlic. And, you know, we can't have vampires around here. So garlic it up, folks. That's my advice to you. I don't even know what you're cooking, but garlic it up. Oh, and this is one of my favorite little bits of kitchen witchery also. If you ever wake up like not feeling the greatest, um, I hope you have honey and garlic on hand because this is what I do. And I will do this like once a day in the morning when I'm not feeling great until I feel great again. (laughs) And I always feel like this makes a huge difference. And this has like turned things around for me, I feel like. Um, And it's straight up, you just crush a single clove of garlic under the flat side of a knife. Um, let it sit for a second. Let that Allison do its thing. And then uh, you put the crushed, you can mince it also uh, and put it in like a tablespoon of honey. So I get like a spoonful of honey. Um, I put the garlic in it and then I like move it around so the garlic's completely coated in the honey. And then I just swallow it 
like that. So it's like it's basically just like crushed garlic that's sat around for a second that's coated in honey and then you eat it. Um, but it's uh, very good for you. Let's just say that. And it it feels good going down the throat and it always makes my body feel better. Um, don't eat it on an empty stomach, though. I will say that. Because the garlic can kind of um, it can kind of hit your stomach wrong if you don't have anything else going on in there. So I would just say, like, take it like with before or after breakfast um, around the same time as breakfast is when I would go for that or with any other meal. That has nothing to do with Thanksgiving, but I guess it kind of does. I mean, it's flu season, right? I don't know. Anyhow, um, I do think also coming back to the turkey and the like that process of like having it in the sink and pulling the neck out i feel like preparing the raw turkey and having that like visceral experience of the dead animal in my kitchen sink is actually like to me that's a really important part of preparing for the feast day is like i don't one thing that always sat wrong with me about um like food in america like the way that we have relationships with food in contemporary America. We're so separate from our food, from the source of our food, right? Like we're so often we're handed things like already packaged, like not just processed, but packaged. And like they're, you know, unrecognizable from their original forms. And I think it's very, I think it's important. And I think it's really cool to get to be closer to the origins of our food. And like I said, like if you can go to a farm, if you can go to a farmer's market, if you can grow or raise any of your own stuff, like any amount of your own stuff, you know, even if you just have one little uh, rosemary plant, you know, that you that you pick from and, and throw into your cooking, like even just one little thing I feel like is so, brings you so much closer to your food. It gives you so much more of a connection to in a relationship with the food that you make the food that you eat and that i think can be like a huge like if you have you know something that you've grown your whole intention as a person as a being as a spirit um as a witch is infused into that plant or 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 perhaps it's animals if you're raising animals like that the relationship that you've had the whole time is a an infusion of magical intention, right? Uh, on purpose or not. And you can use that. I mean, it's kind of a, you can kind of use it as a tag lock, uh, as like a, a way to connect you to the kitchen witchery that you do. Um, to, you know, to put yourself into it and to also be like, yo, like, send this back to me or or to I feel like when your kitchen witchery is a really good way to like infuse a certain intention to food for a whole bunch of people to enjoy together so like for Thanksgiving if you're if you're infusing additional intention um into your Thanksgiving foods I would really recommend things like you know depending on what your usual uh Thanksgiving events are like you know you may want to invoke some peace you know some uh like play nicely get along nicely uh, energy you know you may want to invoke or call up 
um, yeah, like an energy that will that will smooth out the conversation or or the 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 relationships around the table. Or you may want to be calling in abundance into the lives of into the lives and into the bellies of everyone who eats from this feast, right? Um, you may want to be calling in protection, especially this year, right? Like immune protection, like like protect, like just calling in an extra layer of protection for everyone sitting at your table to like walk away with that extra shield. And that's, you know, like black pepper, cinnamon, onions, garlic, um, all of these things, salt, um, all of these things are so tied to protection. And then things like um, you know, potatoes, uh, sweet potatoes, yams, um, uh, apples, pumpkins, um, turkey, right? All these things are all fat, fat, meat, uh, salt, uh, grains, all of these things, grains especially, these are, are so closely tied to abundance. Um, you know, many grains have been and salt as well um have been used as literal currency in the past right like the the word salary like the the amount of money that you make in a year comes from sal sal salt the salt that like i think it was roman soldiers were paid in salt literally and so like that's that's abundance magic like being able to put like literally every time you sprinkle salt into your cooking, you can just be sprinkling like an extra layer of protection and abundance. Now, that doesn't mean that we should go overboard with the salt. Um, and Scott Cunningham actually talks about he said he says this really well. And I wish I brought this book up here with me, but I didn't. Um, and he has a great book that I will link in the show notes as well um, on kitchen. It's like a it's one of his like encyclopedic type things where it well i guess it's a little more than that it's very i f- wish i remember what it was fucking called because it's not called kitchen witchery but it's called something very similar to that and it's by scott cunningham and it's got a bunch of like you know like encyclopedic entries on various different herbs and spices and vegetables and things um as well as like some techniques and overview and and you could just read that book um instead of listening to this episode but then you wouldn't have learned about the history of thanksgiving and you wouldn't get to hear me talk um, unedited for an hour or more and you wouldn't have gotten to hear Stacy's story about Brian and how she processes death by giving the dead a voice in her creative writing and I think um, you know all of those things and more make it worth being here so thank you for being here um, yes yeah, so in my turkey oven bag <laughs> I stuff the turkey as much as I can which is usually like basically like one carrot half an onion and a stalk of celery and like a sprig of thyme and rosemary and then i'm out of room inside the frozen mostly frozen turkey and everything else just kind of goes around the turkey i do get a disposable roasting pan every year because i don't yet have the space to store the beautiful copper roasting pan of my dreams um that's a stretch goal that's another stretch goal for me so right now we're still at disposable foil roasting pan and hey you know what it fucking works so you won't find judgment from me but oh my god i love also the idea of i don't have any copper cookware but i love i love the way that copper cookware works uh sorry i love the way that copper cookware looks 
And I also love the idea of using copper cookware in kitchen witchery or at least cookware with a copper outside because I do know it like heats up really, really well, but it's also like copper is a reactive surface. So there are some things that you like have to be careful cooking in it because it will change <laughs> things. Um, anyhow, but like copper is such a magical metal and such a conductive metal, which of course is why people like copper pans in addition to them being pretty is it it conducts really really well so it transfers heat really well like it heats really evenly i think um anyhow yeah so in my dreams i have a beautiful copper roasting pan that i make my turkey in every year and that's in my dreams not in my current reality so uh roasting pan oven bag inside the oven bag is your turkey your veg your herbs which i use rosemary and thyme fresh always for sure um and thanksgiving is one of the only times that i think it's actually worth it to buy like bunches of fresh herbs i don't usually do that because usually honestly i just use my vitality oils which are um fucking awesome and we're not going to do a plant magic minute this episode because that sounds like a lot of editing but I am going to share with you about Vitality Oils real quick. Vitality Oils are Young Living's gift to kitchen witchery, uh, to gift to kitchen witches, I should say. They are essential oils that are like specially labeled and approved for consumption, for internal use. So I like to use them in my cooking and my baking. Um, and a couple of them I'll take as like supplements as well occasionally if I need extra support in a particular area. But um, I mean, like if you're going to start with a few like parsley, sage, rosemary and thyme is like a magical combination of essential oils. Um, obviously, it's Scarborough Fair. Nobody, I didn't know that Scarborough Fair was a recipe for the best mashed potatoes ever, um, but it is. Uh, and actually, I'll just tell you that really quick in case you want to make mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving. This is how I make mashed potatoes. Um, every single time I do this, people are like crying happy tears and asking for seconds and then the potatoes are gone and uh, it brings me joy um, to have to see these potatoes bring other people joy. And it also brings me joy to eat these potatoes. So this is what I do. Um, I cook the potatoes in the Instant Pot. I use red potatoes. Um, I forget what they're called, but they're red. They have thin skin. You don't have to take it off. You just put the potatoes straight in. I use my Instant Pot, but you can steam or boil potatoes some other way if you want. Um, I cook them. In my Instant Pot, I do like 12 minutes, I think. I don't remember. Um, and then uh, drain them, obviously. And then I use an electric hand mixer, like a egg beater kind of thing but the electric one i think you just call it an electric mixer um is that i use i use earth balance because we are a dairy free household because my husband is definitely allergic to whey protein found in dairy which is more information than you needed but that's why i don't use butter um it's not because i don't love butter it's not because i don't believe that butter was god's gift to pastry chefs and cooks in general i i understand butter's great. I'm with you. I just literally can't use it or my husband will not be able to eat my food. And it's more important to me to be able to share meals with my husband than it is to eat butter. So 
Um, we do use a lot of earth balance. Uh, we do also use like a lot of olive oil, coconut oil, and other things in this house. For mashed potatoes, though, I do use earth balance. Sometimes I use olive oil, though. So it just depends. Um, then I will, and this is probably like a pound, pound and a half of potatoes. Um, like a big fat scoop of earth balance. Um, adjust as you feel necessary. Um, and then like as it melts, I will pour drip drop onto the melted earth balance. Or if you're using oil, do that. Um, one to two drops each of parsley vitality essential oil, sage vitality, rosemary vitality, and thyme vitality. I do sometimes go a little light on the sage because of the thujone, and I do sometimes go a little heavier on the rosemary because rosemary and potatoes were literally meant to be together. Um, and then uh, I will crack or like grind black pepper and grind salt um garlic is also good i did have some garlic powder that i made myself for a while that i was using and then i used it up so sometimes i do use garlic salt um sometimes i do use uh fresh garlic all, or like yeah fresh garlic you can also this is what my parents always did with garlic bread when i was younger um was they would like mince the garlic or i guess they used a garlic press which i don't i do own a garlic press do i anymore did i get rid of it because i never use it i think garlic presses are kind of dumb um so but they would like mince or press the garlic into olive oil and then <laughs> microwave the olive oil for like 10 to 30 seconds just enough to like well they would do it just enough to infuse the oil with the garlic flavor um but i would say you can go ahead and do it a little bit longer to like cook the garlic and then you could have like a really nice garlic, like cooked garlic infused olive oil. And you could use that as your fat for your mashed potatoes also. That would be cool. I do not add any liquid other than the fat to my mashed potatoes. Very important. There's plenty of water from the steaming from the or the pressure cooking or however you did the potatoes. Um, yeah, garlic, salt, pepper, parsley, sage, rosemary, thyme. And the vitality oils are, I think, the way to go. They're so potent. Um, they're so flavorful. It smells so, so good. It tastes so, so good. And they're, you know, they're fine for you in limited amounts, which this is a very limited amount. Like I said, this is like a pound and a half of potatoes with like two drops of each essential oil. Plus it's still hot as I'm doing this, right? So because they're volatile compounds and this is like steaming potatoes, a lot of it's evaporating. So you're not getting anywhere near the full two drops of each in the final recipe even you know so just something to think about um and then i just use my electric mixer and i just mix it all together and that's literally it um and you know you can of course take that opportunity of mixing and also like not just when i'm mixing but when i'm adding ingredients i like to state an intention every time i add an ingredient maybe not every single time i don't like do this as a rule it's not like i can't add an ingredient unless i say the intention out loud it's not like that but it's like I love taking time to state intentions out loud as I add individual ingredients. So I might like, as I'm adding the rosemary, be like, you know, rosemary for remembrance. Maybe like we're trying, you know, adding the intention of like remembering those who can't be here with us at this particular Thanksgiving um, or like remembering. I don't know. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Whatever you want. 
I'm trying. I'm trying to move forward. Okay, so we've talked about mashed potatoes, which weren't in my notes. We've talked about turkey, um, which is such a beautiful, beautiful, abundant food. Um, we have not talked about. Okay, here's what I'm gonna do. Instead of walking you through all of my recipes, I will make it a point to share these on my blog in the coming days. It's not gonna be up there right now, but I will share these. Um. Oh, what can I go through really quickly? Okay, stuffing. I do use Pepperidge Farm stuffing. I should you not. Um, I do add uh, a bunch of chopped celery, a bunch of chopped sweet onion or yellow onion, um, a bunch of chopped pecans, um, plus whatever it says to add on the package. I think it asks for like broth. I don't know. And then I always add eggs. I have very strong memories of my mother adding eggs. And my mother told me in her notes that she adds eggs. It's not on the Pepperidge Farm instructions. Um, do it anyway. It helps it like hold together better and it gives it like a richness. And I I recommend it. It's good. Um, I mix the eggs in with the broth before I add the broth to the stuffing. Um, also, I hate to say this. My mom always told me to make up like a separate batch of cornbread to add to the Pepperidge Farm stuffing mix um and i have done that and i have done the pepperidge farm stuffing mix without the added cornbread and i can barely tell the difference and making cornbread is well i mean it's not hard but it's a whole nother thing to do on a day when i'm already doing like 1500 million things in the kitchen so i just skip that now sorry mom um pecans i love pecans I don't think you can go wrong adding nuts to just about anything, but also here in Texas, anything you can add pecans to, it makes me feel closer to the land, especially if I can get Texas pecans, which it's pretty easy to get Texas pecans around here. So I love um, cooking with Texas pecans or eating Texas pecans because it makes me feel connected to the land that I live on. I don't, I wish I did. I don't have a pecan tree on my property, but I do know my grandmother, um, out in Wimberley does have like pecan trees on her property and I've definitely like definitely spent time <laughs> um eating pecans that grew on my grandmother's property and that grew on my great-grandfather's property and um or you know that I picked up from the farmer's market from from other local growers and like I said before anything local that you can eat that will connect you to the source of your food and connect you to the land that you're living on um I think is a really beautiful addition and and pecans nuts in general i feel like are a really um abundant feeling food they have a very abundant energy to them they feel like like little like currency you know like if you have a whole handful of nuts like it feels like a handful of money i don't know that's to me what it feels like maybe i've just never had a handful of money so <laughs> okay my my self-deprecating humor is is bordering on uh, energetically self-sabotaging. So I'm going to move forward. Oh yeah, plus adding eggs, like eggs have their own magical associations. So you can, you know, add them to your stuffing or not, but um eggs are associated with abundance as well, right? It's like it's a its own form of treasure, golden treasure nonetheless. Um of course, of course, of course, of course, they're associated with fertility, new beginnings, right? And then, so I like to think about, you know, 
in in uh, not cooking, eggs have all of these associations. Fertility, new beginnings, abundance, family, birth, right? Um, in cooking, what do eggs often do? Often they, they help hold everything else together. They help things set up, right? Like they help things be like solid and held together. That's that's often the the function that an egg is serving in in cooking and baking, and uh, when you mix it with other things, and I love that, and I love that energy for Thanksgiving as well, like inviting the eggs to help hold the stuffing together, and then inviting the stuffing as a piece of kitchen witchery to like hold the family together, to hold the the people gathered around the table together in harmony, and like keep everyone on the same team and help everyone see that we are all on the same team. So that's something I like how I th- I think in my practice at least the way that certain ingredients behave in the kitchen, behave in food um can be read or interpreted as another angle, another aspect of their magical properties. Um Yes. So, and I would also say like, you could, you could take that further with something like oil where like, you know, oil can be, uh, let's say olive oil specifically, like because it's from the olive, it can be associated with peace and wisdom and, and love. And, and because it's, it's, it's oil, it can be associated with abundance and with um, such things but one thing that we never we never hear about in magic is like the fact that like oil is really slippery one thing that you're using oil for in cooking is it's really f- the opposite of why you use eggs right you're using eggs to help things stick together you're using oil to help prevent things from sticking or you're using oil to help things cook evenly to help distribute the heat and so that's something that you can use oil for in your magic in kitchen witchery as well as you can you can invite the oil that you're adding Um, either to, you know, perhaps you're basting your turkey or perhaps you're um, adding a little extra fat to a gravy if you have to start it without uh, turkey fat. Um, And and maybe you're, you know, you're, as you're adding, and it doesn't have to be oil, whatever fat, actually, you can use turkey fat. Totally. Turkey fat, same thing. Um, Whatever fat you're adding, as it becomes liquid, like you can, you know, invite this to... uh, invite the oil invite the fat to both you know fatten your wallets i loved how sarah hale uh uses the phrase feast of fat things which i think may perhaps be a biblical reference from the research that i was doing i don't remember don't quote me on that or you know do what you want to do um but the feast of fat things i love that as a phrase and it's it it's like like fat is abundance right? It's, it, that's what it is. That's what it is on the animal. That's what it is when we eat it. Um, and it makes things move easier, right? Like when you oil gears, when you, um, you know, oil machinery, you're helping it move more smoothly. You're helping it move more easily. And that's something that we could all use in our life, you know, for things to flow more easily within our personal um, <laughs> you know, physical, mental, social, spiritual, op- creative operations, but also like when we 
come up against other people or when we're in a relationship with other people, you know, for those things to go smoothly, for for us to not get caught up on our differences and to, um, you know, not 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 stick to the pan in that way. Right. Like we want to we want to flow with other people and we want things to go. We talk about things going smoothly in social interactions. I feel like um, adding that intention when you're adding your fat to the gravy or when you're adding your oil to the potatoes or, or your butter to the potatoes when you're adding any sort of oil or fat, that's another intention that goes really well with that. Um, gravy, I'll, I'll share with you my my um, recipe for gravy as well. I, I hope I remember to do that somewhere on my blog. At some point, I'll do it, I promise. <laughs> If it has no deadlines, I can't break the promise, right? Unless I die first. All right. Note to self. Don't. Hold on. Um, don't. Die. Got it. Okay. So, oh, I did. I have. I actually do have mashed potatoes in my notes. Crazy. Well, we've already gone over that. Cranberry sauce. This is one of my favorite fucking things to make. If I'm going to somebody else's Thanksgiving and I'm bringing something, I'm bringing my cranberry sauce. And here's why. A, it's super fucking easy. B, you can make it the day before. It's best served cold, right? So, you can make it actually like almost as far ahead as you want. I mean, don't be ridiculous here. Don't let it go bad or anything. But you can make it a couple days ahead of time and it's going to be totally fine. It's super easy. It does take a while um, because you're cooking down liquid. I think what I do is basically one bag of whole frozen cranberries or you can do more and adjust the ratios. Um, and then I use a whole orange or if you have like cuties, basically I'll use like two or three of those. Um chop them, remove the seeds, or I like slice it into rings and then quarters and remove the seeds, put it in there. So you want the peel and the, you you want the whole thing. I mean, take the green stem bit out and take the seeds out. But other than that, you want the whole damn orange in there because you're basically going to be like candying the peel and getting the juice in there as well. I also use orange juice as my cooking liquid for uh, cranberry sauce. And then I do usually add a little bit of sugar. I don't measure it. I just pour some sugar in there. And then, okay, so all that, you let it all cook together. Um, and you don't need a ton. You don't need a ton of any of these things. You just, you put them all together. You let it cook until all the cranberries are bursted. And then you let it cook down until it's like thicker, right? Um, and then as it's cooling, this is my favorite fucking part. I just thought to do this the other year, a couple of years ago, because I was, Oh, I guess it was last year. Was it only last year? Have I only done this once? There's no fucking way. I must have made cranberry sauce twice last year because I swear I've done this more than once. Um, I probably made it for Thanksgiving and Christmas. You'll miss. Whatever. I think that's what I did. Um, that's totally what I did. <laughs> I remember because we ended up actually... He couldn't find the free turkey coupon, so he ended up buying a turkey for Thanksgiving. And then... He found the free turkey coupon, so we ended up doing it again for, like, Yulmas or New Year's or something. And uh, I was like, sure, I'll totally make all this food again. I love it. I love it. I love it. So it's very exciting. Um, anyhow, the last thing that I do to the cranberry sauce, as it starts to cool, um, because I don't want it to all evaporate right off, I'll put a couple drops of citrus fresh vitality oil into my cranberry sauce. And 
Um, this was like what I was originally going to do is put some orange oil in. And then I was out of orange oil because orange oil is amazing. And uh, I was like, well, Citrus Fresh has orange in it. Let's try that. And best move ever. Citrus Fresh is a, it's a combination of like a bunch of different citrus oils. And then also I think it has spearmint and peppermint. So it's got that like slightly minty, slightly tingly, slightly cooling sensation that goes along with the different citrus notes. It's very heavy on like the orange and tangerine. Um, and that little bit of like mintiness along with that extra pop of citrus just brightens up this cranberry sauce so much. And in like a one to two bag batch of like one to two cranberry bags batch of cranberry sauce i would probably use two to four drops of citrus fresh vitality um assuming that it's already cooled down a fair bit because those are also citrus oils it's hard to have like you don't have to be too worried about having too much of those because they're so like the the oils themselves are so abundant within the fruit that it's like you're not actually getting them at a at a like it's not a ridiculously high concentration to have them in pure form. I mean, it's a hundred percent concentration, but it's pretty concentrated in the fruit, so it's not crazy. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I'm just rambling now. <sighs> That's how I make my cranberry sauce. I fucking love it. Sometimes I just want to make cranberry sauce just to have cranberry sauce. Um, oh, you know what I did with my cranberry sauce last year? So I'm going to share with you about cobblers in a minute here. Um, I love making cobblers. They're so easy. Um, I've never made a pie myself. My mother. I grew up with my mother making a ton of pies. I've never made a pie um, because watching my mother go like back and forth on the debate of like which pie crust recipe and technique which set of pie crust recipe and technique to use for the best ever pie crust like I just am intimidated by pie um I'm intimidated by pie crust it scares me um and you know what doesn't scare me is crisps and cobblers neither of them involve making a complicated pastry crust and both of them are delicious and slightly crunchy and it's great so i like to make cobblers it's very very simple um i'm not going to recite the recipe here because it's been a month or so since i made one and i might have the numbers wrong in my brain and i didn't write them down in front of me but they will go on my blog it's probably already gone on my instagram at some point because i fucking love making cobbler um but i'll tell you how you do it it's really fucking easy it's basically like some self-rising flour and some milk or milk substitute. I usually use oat milk. Um, probably some sugar too, I guess. Um, and then like spices and flavorings, um, which I usually use some ground cinnamon, which is probably actually cassia, which I probably prefer anyway. Um, and then depending on the fruit, I'll use different flavorings. Like sometimes I'll use vanilla extract. Sometimes I'll use rose water. And then I love using my vitality oils. Um, Nutmeg Vitality is one of my favorites for cobblers. Uh, Thieves Vitality as well. Lemon Vitality. Um, I think I I did an apple cobbler where I used like lemon and 
lavender and the I, I don't remember no i put oh i put lavender in the blackberry one i made a blackberry cobbler and i used lavender vitality and vanilla extract and lemon vitality and that one was really good and then i've done a bunch of other cobblers where i did like thieves and nutmeg and ginger and uh some of them cardamom it just depends what i'm feeling like so i'll 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 mix mix and match depending on how i feel and 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 what intentions as well like what what flavors i feel like would go well together and what intentions i want to call upon but a lot of those like a lot of the different spice oils like nutmeg is a really good love oil um cinnamon cassia those are like ginger also good love oils also all good abundance oils same thing with like cardamom same th- like so many of these are so good for like they're also all good protection oils like they're really good for all of those main categories so that's something to think about and i will mix the vitality oils and the seasonings into the batter that's made with those ingredients and the fat the fat is separate so i use earth balance for this again you can use butter um if you want um and I just scoop, like, I guess it's probably about a half a cup, but I don't measure it. Um, I scoop it into the pie plate. I use a pie plate. Um, you can use a pie plate or a cake pan or my dad. Uh, <laughs> I love this. This is one of my favorite things. This was this just, like, blew my mind when I saw him do it. My dad's a chemist. Um, and he never baked when I was a kid. And so when I first saw him do this, you can imagine, like, if. I mean, my, my mom was always the baker. And when my parents separated, I remember going to my dad's apartment that had like two pieces of furniture probably that we'd like bought with him, me and my brother. And uh, he's like, he kept everything in the refrigerator. He kept the batteries in the refrigerator. He kept the flour and the pasta in the refrigerator. It was just like that it was just like where he kept things in the kitchen was in the refrigerator. It was very funny to me. Um, And he's, uh, he decided to make a cobbler. And I'm like, Okay, like I'm like looking around, like my dad doesn't have any cookbooks, right? At this point, and like I don't see a recipe. I'm like, how are you doing this? I don't trust anything that's happening. He gets this big Pyrex mixing bowl out and just like starts like dumping a bunch of stuff into this mixing bowl. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm making a cobbler. And I'm like, what are you gonna cook it in? And he fucking puts this Pyrex mixing bowl in the oven. And I'm like, uh, okay, like. And, like, me and my little brother at this point, we're, like, watching the oven, like, waiting for something to, like, explode. Like, we're, like, not not prepared. We do not trust this situation. We're literally, like, ready for this Pyrex mixing bowl to explode. Um, It was a fantastic cobbler. I believe it was a peach cobbler. It might possibly have been a combination of peach and blackberry. My dad does that a lot. And I remember, like, asking him, like, I didn't expect this to go well, right? And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, I'm a chemist. It's the same thing as this is just with food. So I don't know. That was it was very interesting to me. But I bring this up because you can, if you want, cook your cobbler in a Pyrex mixing bowl, I guess. Um, I think I did it 350, but I don't know. I'll put it in the thing. Um, and, and what you do is you preheat the this is the recipe I follow. Anyway, you preheat the pie plate or whatever vessel you're using with the like chunk of fat in it and i like earth balance also because it is salted um and it gives you these like crunchy bits on the edge that like i don't know the 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 i feel like the salt level 
and then like the crunchy crust bits. It's just a really perfect combination. I think I did try it with a different fat at one point and I was like, you know, I think I actually prefer doing this with Earth Balance. So just a note. Um, you So you heat the pie plate or whatever with the butter or Earth Balance or whatever in it so it melts. When the oven's preheated, when the fat's completely melted, you go ahead, you pour the batter into it like on top of the fat. And the fat just kind of like naturally goes where it's supposed to go and helps keep things from sticking and stuff and helps get you a nice, really, like a really nice crust on the the outside of the cobbler. And uh, then the fruit, you just drop it on top and you kind of like spread it, you know, drop it where it's not all in one spot. You want to drop it around areas Um, and you can use fresh fruit or frozen fruit. Um, I've done it both ways. You just cook it a little longer if they're frozen. Um, I love blackberries. I love peaches. I love apples. These are some of my favorite things to make as cobblers. Um, I've done it with cherries as well. But what I'm coming back to here is um, you can. <laughs> I had a, I made so much cranberry sauce last year. Um, I think I made I made like a two bag batch of cranberry sauce the second time I did it. And uh, I ended up using my extra cranberry sauce. Well, I made some cocktails with it also. I forgot about that. Um, I did make some cocktails with my cranberry sauce. I'll have to see what I did. See if I can replicate it and um, share that recipe with you too. Because that was really fun. Um, but I made a cobbler. I made a cranberry cobbler. Well, this was like a cranberry orange cobbler with my cranberry sauce. So I just spoon, you know, after I poured that batter in, I just spooned a bunch of the cranberry sauce into the cobbler batter and cooked it up as a cobbler and it was awesome. So is your cranberry sauce good enough to serve as a cobbler filling? If you're not sure about the answer to that, try my cranberry sauce. <laughs> Those are my recommendations to you. Okay. I'm going to look for the notes that I made on the back of a electric bill envelope about what oils I put in my sweet potatoes last time I made sweet potatoes because they were so, so good. Um, my husband and I were like losing our minds. I made like garlic roasted cabbage steaks and whipped sweet potatoes and it was just like the best fucking combination of food I've ever had in my life. And I wrote down what we did on the back of an envelope and I don't know where that envelope is. So if I can find it, when I find it, I'll share it. I don't know when that will be. Um, but again, like I'm leaning on my Vitality oils heavy here. I'm pretty sure I put orange juice in it. I probably put nutmeg Vitality, sage Vitality, black pepper Vitality probably. I don't know. I'm making shit up. Um, these are things I would like to put in it if I did it right now, right this second. Um, but instead holy shit this podcast is way too long well there's nothing i can do about that i have a bunch of notes here on cranberries and why they're good for you and how they're associated with the root chakra and they're full of antioxidants and they're full of proanthocyanidins and they're good for your bladder health uh, but you don't want to eat too many cranberries if you're on blood thinners they offer physical and energetic support of all sorts oranges are tied to the sacral chakra and abundance and creativity and fertility and the sun and joy and happiness and light in the darkness. And that's pretty much where my notes end. So you know what? That's going to be the end of this chaotic clusterfuck of an episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I 
am not going to apologize again because I've already apologized and I probably didn't even need to do that the first time. After all, if you're here, you're here of your own free will. Um, we will, uh, I will link some resources. <laughs> Instead of telling you all about them here, I did mention them throughout the episode. I will uh, link the resources in the show notes and the uh yeah they'll be in the show notes which will be where the show notes are which is probably in your podcast player but if they're not they're going to be at welcome to magic school.com whoa i'm recording over a past version of an episode file so that i would have all my end pieces in place and just as i was talking the little homework jingle came on so we're gonna <laughs> i'm actually just gonna leave that exactly right where it was so that you can hear the little serendipity that i just experienced um it's telling me that actually this podcast is exactly the right length and it's also telling me that i'm supposed to give you homework so for your homework please subscribe <laughs> to this podcast <laughs> um yeah, please do that. Just as as a favor to me, um, please rate it and review it. But please rate it and review it um, based on your best opinions of me. Um, <laughs> if you felt like this episode was a total clusterfuck and it makes you want to give me a lower rating, then I excuse you from this week's homework. Um, you need not complete it. Uh, <laughs> okay. It's 2 a.m. and I crack myself up. So that's that's my homework is crack myself up. Also, I think I gave myself some homework earlier this episode. And I have a note here that says don't die, but I'm pretty sure that's not what. Oh, it was to write a song channeling guidance from my ancestors. That's a cool piece of homework. I'm not going to assign that to you, but it, I mean, if any of you do something like that, I want to hear about it please and thank you um what i do want you to do is i want you to do some piece of kitchen witchery between now and the start of the winter quarter and well this episode's coming back december 15th i would love it if you could you know send me uh your if, if you do if you do the homework i would love it if you could send it to me you know by like the 10th or so um that would give me a really nice window to uh you know put it in so uh, to like you know be able to add it into the next episode god i'm rambling okay 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 we're almost done we're almost done we're almost done subscribe rate review um do kitchen witchery yeah that's the homework it's really simple so you you know you can either do the thing with the twinkie or you can do the thing with the turkey or you can do the thing with the gravy or you can do the thing with the cocktail cranberry cobbler <laughs> Or you can do the thing with the soup or you can do some new thing that you make up all by yourself and I want to hear about it. So I want to hear what food do you use? Do you make it? Did you buy it? Where'd you get it? What'd you do um, if you bought it but like you cha changed it? Like I just want to know what you did. What's what's the food? How did you participate in the creation of the food um, or in the alteration of the food? And um, both physically and energetically. So like what was your intention? How did you put it in? Did you eat it? Did you share it with other people? Did you, if it was for other people, did you, do you tell, the, did you tell them? Um, Cause I think there's, you know, there's two different ways you can do that, right? Like you can either 
feed someone, you know, let's say you're doing, you know, kitchen witchery to enhance your romantic relationship, right? Like, you can either be like, I'm going to sneak this into my partner's food <laughs> and then, like, see what happens, um, which I'm not going to speak in favor of or against. I'm going to let you make up your own opinion about that. That's not something I've ever done. I'll say that. I've never just, like, snuck. I will say I have never snuck food or, like, snuck a magical intention into my lover's food without telling them. Um, although sometimes I do tell them indirectly. Well, not my lover necessarily. Sometimes I'll tell someone indirectly. Look, I'll be like, this should help you feel better. <laughs> or like, maybe when you eat this, you will feel like this. And we're all, you know, like sometimes I'll say it like that instead of being like, I put a spell on this garlic clove. Um, <laughs> which I don't usually go feeding other people garlic cloves. Um, but presumably you know what i mean and you can have some grace for me at two in the fucking morning um yeah i'm not editing this so do your kitchen witchery and let me know how it goes what you do uh what your results are what your methods are keep very good notes you will be graded on the quality of your note taking you will be graded on the quality of your twinkie no <laughs> i'm sorry um there's no grades um and i'm not sorry uh but please turn in your homework it makes me happy that's literally it it makes me happy and i think it uh, does also provide value to other people when they get to listen back to other people's experiences with doing the homework um you know stacy actually really said a lot. i kept it in stacy said some very very nice things about the whole homework thing that we do here um and thank you for saying that stacy uh it 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 definitely has um, cemented my it's definitely made me feel really good about continuing to keep the homework section in this podcast despite um, the ever-growing problem I seem to be having with length um, so with that thank you so much for joining me today I really hope that you learned something new today if you did, I would love it if you would take a moment to share what you learned on Instagram and tag at Welcome to Magic School so that someone else can benefit from your learning too. Um, if you haven't yet, don't forget to subscribe, assuming that you're into the sort of thing that we do here. Um, and as well as also like rate and review Welcome to Magic School um, on Apple Podcasts is really helpful. Um, but there are a couple other places that I'll probably have in the show notes where you can leave reviews if you so choose. And um, every review brings a smile to my face, a spark of joy to my heart, and um, a little every every time somebody leaves a review for this podcast, a rose grows in an imaginary um, magic school garden, and um, I just want to see that garden full of roses. So thank you for your reviews. Thank you for your ratings. Thank you for your messages. Everyone who's reached out to me and messaged me to let me know that you enjoyed an episode or that you learned something or anyone who's, you know, shared this with anyone else. It means the absolute world to me. Um, I, I absolutely love what I'm doing here, <laughs> believe it or not, but it is a lot of work. So knowing that it is reaching other people and bringing value um, 
whether it's in the form of information or joy or company um, or all three or any combination of the above, you know, knowing that the work that I'm doing that is my labor of love is providing value and bringing joy to you um, really makes it worth it. Really, it, it helps me, um, you know, when I actually I want to I think I did I screenshot it. I was um really struggling actually with getting back to the maybe you can tell <laughs> I was really struggling with getting back to the microphone to record this episode and I I did take that like impromptu two week break right and um I got a couple of my phone just fucking died on me but I got a couple of messages and at one point like I looked down at my phone and I had two separate notifications in a row this was like two days ago too. So it was like, it wasn't like I had just released an episode by two separate notifications. One was a message from someone and one was like a mention in a discord, not even my discord. Um, and both of them were like, oh my God, Vervain, I'm obsessed with your podcast right now. And like looking down at my phone and seeing those two like notification previews next to each other um, was super, super motivating and is one of the primary reasons that I even got it together to get this episode together and out like at all. Cause there was definitely a very big part of me that was like, you know, what if we just said that this quarter was six episodes long and we're coming back after the break. Um, but I really wanted to get this, this episode out here for you and um, hopefully it helps you um, whether you choose to use any of it for Thanksgiving or any of the upcoming um, feast type holidays um, or not. I, I hope that that you've benefited from this. So anyhow, um, yes, 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 yes. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, God. OK. OK. I do usually edit. My God. OK. If you falling apart i'm losing my mind guys i'm just gonna read from my script here if you haven't yet don't forget to subscribe <laughs> rate and review welcome to magic school and apple podcasts so that you can stay up to date and be a part of helping other witches expand their magical knowledge thank you so so much for listening have an absolutely tremendously magical day i added that tremendously that wasn't in my script just so you know and I will see you next week. Wait, just kidding. I will see you <laughs> on December 15th. I will see you this coming December on Welcome to Magic School, where you'll learn how to level up every aspect of your life and make your everyday magical one step at a time with witchcraft that fucking works. Mm. Yes. <laughs>